Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. It is Tuesday, June 2nd. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid. I'm Dane Martinez. He's Kevin Walsh. We put the fun and functional sports content trying to help you, you know, read the tea leaves and make a little bit of extra cash. Kevin, the topic of the day, at least in the sports world, continues to be the back and forth in major team American sports you know, trying to figure out the details of how they return to play. I know we've had this conversation before, and it's clear, Kevin, you know, um, there's different tea leaves to read, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, without getting too far into it, you look at the tone, right, of the negotiations and kind of if they are working together or not. I, as we've seen last week, am more driven by what I guess we'll call the formal stages and progress of Mm -hmm. talks. And we have a formal stage and progress of the talks in Major League Baseball. What has happened is the MLBPA, the Players Association, have sent the official kind of like counter proposal, right? So we mm-hmm. now know Jadavion Clowney wants to make 30, you know, $22 million teams want to offer 16. We now have both of those things there at least, right? And we're going to try and hit the middle ground. I think some of the details in this Major League Baseball proposal, we have them on the screen now, okay? So Kevin, here's what I'm seeing as the, uh, what I'll say is five big elements that I saw of this proposal. I'll reel them off and get your reaction. One, the players are saying June 30th, they think they can start, okay? Now, that's Mm -hmm. even a little bit earlier than uh, what the owners were saying. You know, again, I think it's in push to bullet point number two, get 114 games in. Remember, Kevin, we always talked about how that was another way the players could get, you know, a greater numerator in the prorated salaries. 114 is a lot more than 80, 81, or 82. Then there's some new ones that I think are interesting that we hadn't really heard or fully discussed just yet, Kevin. Mm -hmm. One is this idea of salary deferment options. Right, that we could push the salary back a little bit um, so that they can make up more of the money. You don't have to take the hit now. We'll defer the payment so that when we're in brighter times, you can pay us then. Interesting approach. Also, in in an effort, I would think, to recoup some of the money lost, the players are looking at expanded playoffs, not only this year in 2020, but also next year. I think this is really interesting from the players, the idea of stretching this out, both in terms of the playoffs and in terms of the salary deferment, taking a long view of this. But here's what I thought was very interesting, Kevin. Mm. The idea that players can quote unquote opt out of playing if they do not feel, you know, safe, right? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that if they decide to opt out and everyone would have that right in this union proposal, they're saying though that if you can document that you are really like at high risk, compromised immune system, something like that, um, you get paid even if you opt out. And otherwise you would still get service time, okay? Mm -hmm. To your 10 and five, the service credit for your years. um, If you decide to opt out, I'll hold it there and ask you, did you see, are there any other kind of big, you know, bullet points of the proposal that I may have missed? And in general, what your knee jerk reaction to now what the players are putting out as their kind of opening salvo to this negotiation? Yeah, no, I, I think you, you you hit the big stuff. Okay. Uh, I will say, I and it was not intentional, but when I got to the point where they said we can opt out at any point we want and still need to be paid, I I did laugh. I don't know. I don't. That's not a great thing. I couldn't <laughs> help but laugh. It. I, I've I've told you know kind of this this um, anecdote before, but there's a recent movie that had come out called The Marriage Story, and the guy is getting divorced, and he goes to his lawyer, and the lawyer says, "Listen, if you start from a point." Of rational, and she goes from crazy. We meet right. somewhere in the middle. If we go crazy, she goes mm-hmm. crazy. We'll meet somewhere in the middle. And I, not to say that it is crazy for players to be able to opt out if they don't feel safe, but if to to say, listen, we can at any moment, no matter who it is, be like, we're gone, and you have to pay us, is obviously never, ever, 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 ever going to fly with the owners. The two pieces, though, that are probably most important 
when we talk about fully understanding a baseball season is the length of the regular season under their proposal, right. as well as now an expanded playoff field. I right. guess to start with the regular season, you and I have you know, spoken about this quite a bit, it makes all the sense in the world for them to go for a 114-game or whatever it might be season. More, the right. The more games, the better, I would think, although it did, you know, it was still kind of reiterated um, that, you know, the owners are maybe not for that because it means they have to pay more. Right. And it's not going to work then. Yeah, I mean, that's true, right? And 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 I guess, you know, we don't have to rehash our, our conversations, really, our circular back and forth from last week, right? But, you know, I think... What's interesting, I saw in another kind of article about this or even a blur, maybe Roto World, what have you, about this news. What they said after that, you know, is what I think is interesting. Here's the quote. It's a vastly different plan from the one suggested by the owners. To your point, right? I start irrational. You start irrational. Maybe we wind up in the middle, right? But this is what I thought was interesting. But at least there is now something for both sides to continue the negotiations. Like you're saying, right? Mm -hmm. It's the kind of difference of, oh, he, he starts out irrational. And then, you know, on the other side, they keep saying, oh, no, we'll make a good deal. We'll be all right. It'll be cool. But okay. then the opening salvo is irrational purpose it's a negotiation tactic right yeah. it just is and so i understand that i mean uh i hate to go into this realm but how confident are you kevin that we're gonna have a season you know because now we are seeing you know i guess and 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 in the nba for example mm -hmm. you know you think it's going to get ratified and blah, blah, blah. We don't know how far apart they are just yet. Maybe you're absolutely right. We all trust in Adam Silver. There's, they're not far apart at all. And boom, it happens, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe on some of these elements or elements we haven't heard about yet, right? Because yeah. I didn't hear about this idea of opting out or service time and blah, 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 right? Maybe there's another thing that we haven't heard about. So we'll see when it gets to Thursday and later on how far away the the NBA owners yeah. and players are. But at this point, now that we know how far away they are, 80 games versus 114, um, you know, kind of the ability of to still accrue credit uh, service time if you opt mm -hmm. out or not. How, how far away are there? Do you think they can split the difference in enough time to salvage a Major League Baseball season? It's tough, man. It, it really, really is. You know, I think um, I've never found myself. And again, we're not going to go down there, right? But I've never found we're, myself. We're tiptoeing around it, but we're right. going to try and, you in know. Argument slash back and forth with someone yeah. where both sides, like, continually just getting in more and more information right. that, like, backs both sides at the same exact time. Right. Um, but, you know, you, you, you mentioned it. Like, there was a counter, right? And I think that's why people are like, okay, good. We got a counter. Because I think there was, at, you know, a point, a, a, an idea of, I don't even know if they're going to bother. They really right. just might not. Right. Even. So it was like, nah, we're not even negotiating. Yeah. Yeah. Like, no, there's nothing to talk about here. Like, we're, we're, we're not going to have those conversations. Okay. Um, one of the, one of the things that at least speaks to you that like, at least negotiations are continuing. Right. right. Okay. That's that. And that, and that's certainly, that's positive. Sure. um, I also, um, read through the Buster only piece, which okay. laid out a number of like, just different ideas kind of for, for, for a reader to dwell on, but also a very, very important piece of reporting, which was that it, it is growing amongst owners and there's a number of owners who are very willing to just cancel the season. Right. And cut their losses. Right. And that being out there is, I think, a very, very then difficult mountain to climb. Right. And again, it very well could be, you know, uh, owners kind of going through Buster to get this out there to try and scare players. A tactic, negotiation tactic. Yeah. It could right. be. People use reporters in that light. So it's Does. not necessarily. Shout out to Manish Mehta. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it'll be really, it'll be really, really interesting. I think just to see, because it does sound like they are absolutely like light, right? Like one side is like, we will let you play 82 games, but you're going to get paid like forties worth. And the players are like, have this, have this. We play a buck 14 and you pay us a buck 14's worth. Yeah, that like, seems far apart. That like, seems far that's apart. not at all. The, that's not at all what we want to do. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I mean, the idea as well that they're going to have to come back to the table and try and thumbs up, thumbs down. I mean, let me let me, you know, to 
if you were the owners, like, do you think the owners are going to be like, oh, this is awesome, uh, an expanded playoffs, more teams in, more revenue? Like, how do you think that portion of this lands? I think they like that. I think they like that because, listen, um, outside of these, the idea of the games and the losses with no fans, right? By the time they get the playoffs, that may be November. They're talking about, you know, October 2021, right? And so all that is is an opportunity for more teams to get more revenue, to get extra games on the back end. They're looking for ways to make up the lost revenue. Right. And I think expanding the playoffs is something that everybody can get behind except the baseball purists. But those guys are already, you know, crushed because the yeah. DH is likely coming to the National League. Right. And the wild card is ready here and is now only going to be expanded. Um, but I think this is and, and you know. That's why I, I Bristol, when you even talked about the NBA plan with the regular season and the television contracts, mm -hmm. it all comes down to money, Kevin. It all comes down to money. Like the Hawks GM can say, I want to see Trey Young playing, but yeah. he want. Like that's the nice, the good thing to say, right? Remember how you were like, oh, Blake Snell led with the money. And we were like, but if Blake Snell led with the health risk, it might be different, right? So no one's leading with the money, but the money's always what's behind it, right? And I think that in this expanded playoffs is a, is a nice example of a way to recoup money that everyone can get behind. Now, so the idea is, hey, let's have more teams be able to have a bite at that apple and get it. So I think it's something that would pass yeah. pretty easily. I think the 114 games for this year in the regular season, while there's no fans, that's the sticking point because we don't know, um, you know, a game is usually worth x to an organization mm -hmm. we know it's now worth y with no fans but nobody knows the actual difference between yeah. x and y and the owners are trying to make that up but we don't even know really what that value is and i think that's the uncertainty which causes this negotiation back and forth there's also and we maybe we can expand on this a yeah. bit more um you know in the next segment sure. there, there's there is something to the idea, though, that this plan is being put out there with the hopes to be back June 30th. Right. And the idea of like, you know, because that is. You want the NBA, you think it's further along and they're talking about August. No, okay, so basically, be done so quick, supposedly. But, but th that's the thing, right, is what am I missing in terms of the idea that the end, like the MLB could move that quickly, that Major League Baseball could that quickly yeah. be like, well, you all agree? Cool. Games are in three weeks. Right. Well, and remember, this is just a player's proposal. So maybe, and again, these are all, I don't know, okay, what is motivating different elements or different stakeholders. Maybe they think that spring training 2.0 can be shortened, right? Whereas NBA players really value that practice time because their sport, you know, Tens for hamstring pulls maybe a little bit more. So to the players, that priority, um, that runway, that even having the top seeds in the NHL play each other some for that runway is more important than the idea of spring training in baseball. We'll continue to think about this because we do have a proposal to kind of pick apart, and we'll do so when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin touring you around the world of sports, trying to make dollars and cents of it all. And dollars and cents is apropos right now, Kevin, right? We were talking about the Major League Baseball, uh, the Players Association, formal proposal back. So we now at least have a flag planted in the ground on both sides, and we'll see if and how and where they meet in the middle. One of the things you just brought up when we were talking about, you know, because and, and this is part of the point, right, Kevin, now that it's an official proposal, players can have different reactions to it, right? And we'll see how it works for some and not for others and other ripple effect considerations now that it's official, now that we can react to it. And one of the things you brought up was the idea of any kind of shortened season, how that and, and the variance that we all know is going to happen, right? This is going to be an asterisk. One way or another. Champions are going to have an asterisk. You know, your performance is going to be intriguing because of either a rest in the middle of the season for three months or the stops and starts of the season, you know, opening day being pushed back. And you mentioned how this can impact 
not only pl uh, players and unions and front offices negotiations, but individual players for their own contract negotiations. You know, mm -hmm. if they're going to hit the open market based on a season like this. Yeah, it's one of those things I had not considered. Um, but again, you know, as you try and read up and understand these things and what can be uh, the snafus, if you will, uh, to getting this all going is the idea that an impending free agent might not want to risk um, their season or their payday on this season right. by going out there and playing in this incredibly weird variance bubble. Like we've talked about, um, you know, when we thought that it was just going to be every East team in one division, right? And yeah. we, talk, we talked about how if the season continues, this could be bad for pitchers because the more you see pitchers, the easier it is for hitters, right? Like imagine an upcoming pitching free agent and, and how difficult that may be for you. Mookie Betts is an interesting case, right, where he's traded to the Dodgers. They're, right. you know, supposed to be, I believe they're the World Series favorites, or right, obviously, there with the Yankees. Um, but for him, if he goes out there and performs, I mean, there's nothing to worry about. But could Mookie Betts also say, I've already got nothing to worry about unless I go out there. And it's right. not just poor play. That it's, it's the always looming worry of injury. And yeah. injury looms for all forever. But when you start messing with the right. normality of yeah. the process, it feels like you have an increased chance of it. And that's another reason why I, I too, pointed out this idea that, you know, as, as you sit there in the beginning of June and they're, I think, I think they maybe said June 9th was like the soft date that they were hoping to lock in a, um, an exact plan. An agreement. And the, yeah. And the idea that they would be able to play Three weeks Real later? games, yeah. Three weeks later is one of those things that, like, I wanted to be like, okay, that's great because that means that they are pushing for a date. Right. They Urgent. understand the benefit of being first in that regard because they still then, as you mentioned, would be first by a, at least maybe a month, right? With right. The they had the month of July to themselves pretty much. Yeah, like, that's all great. But it's also like, is that reasonable? I mean, like, if, if the 114 games was approved, Mm -hmm. so what's the 114 game schedule look like? Like, who's making that up? Like, dude, there's just a there's there's so the many other things. Devil in the details, of course. <laughs> but the idea that they could basically be like, listen, give us a thumbs up and we're ready to go in three weeks. Yeah, because that's from a player standpoint. Because usually the players are the ones who are like, we need this amount of time. Right. So I I think that is if there was something to take out of this, that's a true true positive. It probably would be the idea that the players. And I'm assuming the owners would also, all parties are like, yes, the sooner we can start games, the better. Yeah, I agree with you. And I just think, you know, we've talked about this for a while, like the idea of the runway that players will need to get back into world-class game shape, right? Maybe, and I hate to kind of be disparaging to the baseball professional, right? But maybe it's just easier to do for baseball than it is for the sports like hockey, like soccer, like basketball, you know? Uh, maybe to get into game shape isn't that hard in baseball. Remember, when we have spring training, like back in March, we hear from players a lot, like after say two weeks of spring training, right? Mm -hmm. That they're like ready to go. Let's let's head up north. We're ready to go, right? So yeah. maybe this is an opportunity where they only need it. And maybe, and again, I'm I'm speculating here, right? Mm -hmm. If you're a major league baseball pitcher, okay, mm -hmm. and really that's why spring training is long, right? You need to stretch pitchers out, right? But if you know that this is on the horizon, you can still get your work in. You can still expand, you know, somewhere else from 30 pitches to 55 pitches to 80 mm -hmm. pitches. You can still, the proverbial, stretch your arm out. And that yeah. is the big reason why spring training lasts so long for the pitcher side, the hitters, mm -hmm. the fielders. I think two, three weeks, they'll be ready to go. And then oh, yeah. maybe a little bit different than and, mentioning, you know, in the NBA to prevent mm -hmm. the inevitable uh, hamstring pull in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. And I just want to mention, too, there is something um, very, very different about ramping up from the beginning of your regular season and hoping to peak whenever your postseason is. Right. And in saying the NBA or the NHL's position where you're going to play whatever it is before the postseason and, and the players, of course, because especially I know I can stress this in the NBA and I know everybody wants to win a championship. But in the NBA, in my opinion, maybe more than any other sport other than in, than quarterbacks in football, winning a championship and being the guy or being guy, you know, the one of the two or three guys 
means so much for your legacy. The legacy, right? That you are not going to go out there and be like, yep, throw the ball out, game one of the postseason starts today. And I think that's one of the things that we have seen, Dane, um, the Players Association very adamant about, about like, we are playing games. You better believe it before you tell me that I'm in the middle of a postseason battle. Right. Ironically, though, you know, I still think one of the four proposals, you you have less credence in it. I, one of those proposals, though, include with all 30 teams picking back up and getting some of the regular season back. Remember, for the money aspect of satisfying the contracts, if I was one owner and, you know, 20 other owners got to satisfy their TV contract and my team who was like one game on the outside of the 24 and now I'm in debt to my network partners. Ah, I'm not going to be too happy about it, shall I say, but these are the things we expect to figure out across this week. Major League Baseball going back and forth now formally with their proposals. We know also on Thursday, Kev, it looks like the NBA owners will vote to kind of ratify whatever their side is, right, for that proposal. And hopefully, and something I do agree with you, Kevin, on, and when it comes to the NBA, it seems like everyone has a little bit more trust and faith and belief in Adam Silver as commissioner to figure this out yeah. in a way that, you know, the, the the analogy I keep using, right? They plant a flag here, they plant a flag here. You still have to find the landing spot. Mm-hmm. And it seems like in the NBA, there is um, a well of trust in Adam Silver to find a comprehensive landing spot in a way that we really haven't heard in Major League Baseball. And and now, uh, I guess there's one other thing that I I heard people kind of talking about, right? And it's comparing what's going on now to the previous lockout season. Okay. um, 94-95. And um, I wasn't around for one of those years. So that's how much I can speak to that entire process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Let uh, let that sink in for, for for the viewer here on the grid. Um, but the idea that this season could be a lockout, right? There's this growing belief that it would basically make the whole 94, 95 thing look like nothing because you're talking about these people not being able to put baseball forth in the middle of a crisis time, right? right? Where, yeah, I mean, a crisis times, times a crisis times now, um, the idea for a lot of people, you know, the idea of like it's an escape, it's a distraction, like I've never necessarily, but it, it is something I think that people can kind of find themselves coming around others for. It's a bonding, I think, experience at times, the idea. And, and baseball means, means a lot to people still within this country. And Absolutely. them losing this season and the idea that it could like tarnish the idea of baseball maybe is a bridge too far but what i do know is that rob manfred in his tenure from what i have seen i don't know if there's ever been a good thing said about the job that he is doing Mm. and it was kind of pointed out that the next the cba that is currently in um action for major league baseball ends december of 2021 after next year right so the idea that they could lose this season, and I mean, you'd have to think, Dane, if this yeah. season is lost, oh yeah, that the tear it would leave within Which these really two behind sides, the eight ball, right? Right, yeah. the tear it would leave in the two sides, mm-hmm. as they then would have to, you know, be gearing up towards another CBA. Like, again, not being dramatic, but I have to wonder if Rob Manfred is going to really be able to hold on. To his job, because I don't know how you could have any confidence in him assuring that there isn't another lockout two right. years from now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great point, you know, and what I've been talking to you here as I try to merge our vantage points of last week, because you're right, we're talking about apples and oranges on some level. You know, I mentioned the well of trust that it looks like Adam Silver has. Right. And when you put on top of it that there's going to be a labor negotiation anyway right next year and then this experience will either be a testimonial to being able to work together Mm -hmm. or not right one thing is gonna happen or not this is either gonna go down well or it's not and if it go down well then maybe it starts to build trust for the future negotiation of next year if it doesn't like you said, it certainly strips away any of the public trust or any, excuse me, of the trust at the negotiating table that a union would have. And it does seem like it's starting to head in that direction. We'll see if they find this kind of uh, 
middle ground landing spot, shall we say. One other thing that I know you thought was interesting in the world of baseball right now, you know, we're talking about Major League Baseball. Um, in Minor League Baseball, Kevin, I talked about how now as the calendar turns to June, there are teams starting to furlough Minor League employees and staff. But you mentioned not all those teams, right? And it's ironic that some teams are coming out being like, no, 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 we're going to pay our guys again because they want to avoid the bad look of it all. Right, Kev? Yeah. Hey, well, that's what's going on here. I, I mean, this is now this is now taking on another another uh, this whole other animal right and and mm -hmm. we've got Sean Doolittle of the Washington Nationals saying that they are going to the players of the Washington Nationals the major league players are going to pay the minor league players and the, and the, and make up the money that they are losing and as i scroll through my timeline i i saw uh, one person said i'm not really here to pick sides but if i had to pick <laughs> dot 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 and it was quote tweeting what Sean Doolittle had posted and you know I, I was reading up again, uh, Tom Glavin, who was a big part of that 94-95 yeah. situation, saying, listen, man, you are not going to win that court of public opinion. You might as well give up on it. And, and that is probably true. But, I mean, when you think about what uh, these guys are kind of stepping up, the juxtaposition of it, exactly. Dan, yeah. I mean. The billionaires can't do it, so the millionaires have to. Like, and, but, and, and it's not just that. It's how can you paint that group as money-hungry? When, yeah, when they're giving it out, giving out the money that you're refusing to pay. I, I think you're absolutely right. And that's why I keep on talking about there's three legs to this table, right? The financial part, the health part, the logistics part, all will have to be figured out. We're also going to figure out some changes in the NFL passing game when we come back. We're going to get ahead of it and try to make some money. So stay tuned. It's the early line. Happy Tuesday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody, welcome back in here to the early line. Dane and Kevin trying to make some money, trying to make some sense out of everything. And, you know, Kevin, I like when we do this, okay? It's much like in hour number two when we go into a specific team. We set the stage, right, for the current context, and then we look to find value. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of measure it up against, you know, the schedule or specifics. I like when we have the time to kind of go deep down. And when there's no live American team sports for now, we have that opportunity. And we're going to do that for the wide receiver position. If you remember in a previous episode, I believe it was last week, we looked at the kind of unaccounted for rushing yards, right? We looked at, you know, for example, Todd Gurley left the Rams. That means the Rams have uh, carries up for grabs. And we use that statistic to determine um, who may be a rising diamond in the rough, right? Who may be able to assume more production and even potentially lead the league in rushing. And we even gave out our rookie running backs to see which of those were kind of in position mm -hmm. to initially absorb uh, opportunity and yeah. production. Right, so we're going to do the same thing now with the wide receiver group. I find it interesting. You see the graphic that we're going to put up now. There are certain teams here who have had a lot of, you know, their target share gone, okay? Players that were heavily targeted that made up a good chunk of the passing game that are no longer there, right? So that creates the gap. We'll then figure out who's best in position to fill the gap a little bit later on this week. But, mm -hmm. you know, you see at the top of the list, the Atlanta Falcons, and you think, huh, Julio Jones is still there. Calvin Ridley is still there. What do you mean, Dane and Kevin? Well, guess what? Austin Hooper's not there anymore. Devontae Freeman's not there anymore. And so this is interesting to see, right? Maybe, okay, find your wide receivers in Atlanta, but think about the potential production. I'm thinking about new people who come in. Hayden Hurst, Todd Gurley, for example. There's still that opportunity. In Dallas, I believe, you know, we see 190 targets. That's probably mostly uh, Randall Cobb. Mm -hmm. You know, in slots, so maybe, right, maybe C.D. Lamb can be productive and this team can still be run heavy. It's also Jason Witten. So do you think there's any emergence from a guy like Blake Jarwin? Then you see the Jets, the Texans, the Cardinals, also towards the top of this list. When you look at some of those top teams, what are your initial reactions, Kevin, to, uh, you know, the kind of holes mm -hmm. in, the, in the passing game? So I think the Falcons one is really, really interesting, okay. right? With them losing, you know, uh, the, the greatest number of targets from their team. And 
Because you have to then, right, so what you did, and you did a nice job there by kind of talking about, well, who's targets, right? I, Tight end targets and running back targets are making up a lot of what has been lost. Right. And there was a new tight end traded for Hayden Hurst, and there was a new running back signed in Todd okay. Gurley. And that right there should give confidence to both of those positions. However, I think when it comes to this exercise as well, you kind of have to say, does the replacement justify sure. that workload, right? Sure. And I think to Hayden Hurst and Austin Hooper's almost 100 targets from last season and say, is Hayden Hurst a 100-target guy? If yes, uh, then everything that, I mean, I've been saying about this guy being, you know, a bit lower on drafts <laughs> is like the I'm the smartest man alive. But it's also, these are probably some targets that also can be redistributed. Yes, so that's when, the other, yes. So when it comes to Julio Jones, if mm -hmm. you're saying, I think Julio could be my wide receiver one, here's potentially a reason why. We that. talked about Calvin Ridley yes. as a bubble guy who we were yes. torn on quite a bit, right? Yes. Maybe this now pushes you into Calvin Ridley. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I like visual representations, Kevin, okay? So imagine a pizza pie, right? Imagine a pizza pie. There you go. You like a little pizza early in the morning, cold yeah. pizza, beautiful dish. Um, right, so in this, let's say with Atlanta, right, to kind of illustrate your point, this percentage, you know, this 39% or whatever, those are three of the eight pizza slices gone, right? So maybe Todd Gurley and Hayden Hurst, you're right. They're plugged in, right? But what I think you're explaining is do they represent what it was? Probably not. Let's say they're two of the three missing pieces of the pie. Well, guess what? You still got another slice of the pie and who else is left to absorb that? the existing folks that were there in the pie. So maybe Calvin Ridley gets an extra bite, right? Maybe Julio Jones gets an extra bite. I think that's absolutely true. And so this is not only a reflection of the newcomers coming in, but maybe like overflow opportunity, right? For the people who remain in that offense. I wanna draw your attention to one team on this list because it's a team we talked about and kind of threw shade at um, when we saw this list for the running backs. And this now only furthers the point, Kev, unfortunately. Uh, draw your attention to the Green Bay Packers, please. Um, <laughs> so remember, we were a little bit um, perturbed, right, that they didn't yeah. necessarily address the wide receiver position. We all thought that was a need. Then when we saw the running back, they get A.J. Dillon, right? We thought, oh, my goodness, this is even um, less sensible when you saw that they didn't lose much of their rushing attack. The pie was still intact, right? Yeah. Now you see here, the Green Bay Packers are literally what? Within the top 10, they have lost 25% of their targets. I believe that's mostly in the form of Jimmy Graham, who's now in Chicago. And also, don't forget about Geronimo Allison, who was their number two or three, depending on who you talk about. One of those guys between MVS, Allison, Lazard got in there, right? Yeah. That was, in essence, wide receiver two. He's now gone. He's in Detroit, I believe. So there's an opening in the pie, Kev, and they still, and there was not an opening in the running back pie. And they still decided to deprioritize this. I got to tell you something. My other reaction to this is maybe Devin Funches is really a diamond in the rough mm. for this team because they did sign him. We don't believe that that's a guy who, like, moves the needle per se. But there's so much opportunity there. He is a quality wide receiver. He's not a sexy name. And he's also got the build for the red zone. I, I'm starting to think Devin Funches may be in line for a lot more opportunity, production, and fantasy value than I previously did. So it, it's essentially, right, where you're having the same pizza party, but you've invited yeah. less people. Yeah. And now maybe I just have leftovers as opposed right. to actually being able to feed enough mouths. But I agree with you, like, somebody's going to eat, right? Yeah. And now this right here is why Devontae Adams has a case as well to be yes. the number one wide receiver Absolutely. taken off the board. I unfortunately think for fantasy players, or fortunately if you're able to pick the right one, though, I do think we could be in a situation 
you know, I think it was, was it last year or two years ago where Geronimo Allison and Montez uh, Valdez-Scantling yeah. were like ranked back to back? They sure were. Right? And it's like, you got it. This is not. There right. were leagues where I drafted them both under the same ideas when I say Pittsburgh wide receiver too, right? right. Like, oh, second best Green Bay Packers wide receiver? I'll take it. Right. <laughs> you, know? Well, you don't but know which one is which. Right. I think Alan Lazard has yep. a chance. He doesn't have Mr. Wait, Deontay Johnson it. proved me wrong in Pittsburgh. Right. Like, the thing is, he doesn't have the pedigree of Funchess, but I don't know if... It's not like Devin Funchess has a ton of pedigree. You know what I mean? Right? And I think for Rodgers, we have seen him hook up with Lazar for yeah. some nice plays. Okay. Um, what happened to my boy Equinemius St. Brown? And Jake Kumaro is out there as well, and other, and other preseason standouts for the Packers, I mean, but just the fact that we still there, him. isn't he? Right? Yeah, but we to... chuckle as we say these names. Oh. Well, and therein the lies the point. When you have Aaron Rodgers, who is at the end of this prime yeah. and can potentially do it, now is the time, and it yeah. does not See, look like they did it. Go ahead, Kev. Let me ask you this. Just a hypothetical that can only potentially piss Packers fans off, <laughs> right? If, if they would have traded up for, let's say, Justin Jefferson, right? Let's not go crazy and say one of the top three guys. Let's sure. just say they traded up and got Justin Jefferson. Is there a chance that Justin Jefferson is taken as a wide receiver two, wide receiver three? Fantasy. Like, yeah, in fantasy. Like, with some pedigree, the fact that it's coming straight into the role. Now, of course, you would have added arguments to be made that they traded up for the talent. Of course, I understand that. Jefferson on the Packers, I would, I would draft mm -hmm. before Judy on the Broncos, before Ruggs in Las Vegas, and before C.D. Lamb in Dallas. Might be wide receiver one on Not only the talent and the spot. Yes. Yes, if he was in Green Bay. Because it's such a potential, you know, spot. There's Devontae Adams, who I'll give you. And I believe he's a top three wide out. But, you know, then what? So the path to opportunity, which is the other part of the equation, right, Kev? When we're talking about fantasy production, right? The skill set of the player, but then the opportunity, mm -hmm. right? And if any of these top flight wide receivers did, in fact, land in Green Bay, I would have said, oh, yeah, to the opportunity. And it would have severely impacted my rankings. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even if they would have just took Michael Pittman instead sure. of trading up for Jordan Love. Like, Michael Pittman would have had a chance to be listed as rookie yep. wide receiver one for some people. Yep. And whoever, probably would have yeah. gone in maybe wide receiver three territory, considering the love that Pittman was starting to get. And that, was, that could have been an option for them on the board. It, it is just, man, I, I do not ever remember a draft with less positive things that can be said about it. <laughs> than, than the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Like, All right. not even Listen, Packers fans are like, ah, guys, it. in four years where Jordan Love is the Super Bowl MVP and A.J. Dillon is running for 1,300 yards and on your fantasy team, we'll play this back. But for now, Kevin, I completely agree with you. The Eagles are relatively high on this list, Kevin. Okay, they've lost 20% of their target share. Um, I'm intrigued by that, to be quite honest. You know, I, I guess there's some Nelson Ag galore right that was lost i don't know if it i mean jordan howard some i guess um you know the other backs maybe a darren sproles or that that kind of type not there who do you think stands to benefit because i know they did get a wide receiver many thought it would be justin jefferson but instead it was the kid rieger at a tcu who soaks up the empty hole of this piece of pie so i actually think this is a spot where it could be a little bit deceiving in context okay. is king where the eagles last year right were going to wide receivers five, six, and seven on the depth chart because mm -hmm. everybody was hurt, right? Like, if you kind of, of course, you mentioned Nelson Aguilar, but he wasn't the only guy. Like, Greg Ward Jr. Uh, was up there, Boston Scott, Mac Hollins, like... Right, you know but what I'm I mean? asking, like, who is this 21% of Philly that's gone? I mean, Aguilar's the big one in terms okay. of, like, of... of Aguilar um, was up there in targets for them um, at, with, like, 69. I mean, this is the thing. Earth yeah. was one, and... Goddard was two in terms right. of targets. Well, but Jeff was banged up. So many injuries, right? Jeff was banged up. Deshaun Jackson pretty much played only one football game. They drafted Jalen Rieger. You want to talk about a fantasy herd, okay? Yeah. You want to talk a... about, like, yeah. that is a tough is. situation right. to pin down. You tell it's me on any given week who's going to lead the Eagles in fantasy production, and I got a, you know, I got a candy bar for you. Sure. <laughs> no, it's and that's why I think there's 
the idea of people wanting Miles Sanders, give me Zach Ertz, and past that, I remember being so jarred at how low Alshon Jeffrey was as like the number one Eagles right. guy. And it is somebody because it's it's impossible almost to figure out because mm-hmm. everybody kind of has their case to be. That's made. right. That's why the Eagles may be even more of a best ball kind of team because oh, yeah. when it pops off, you'll yeah. be there. You know, when we come back on the other side of the break, we look at the bottom end of this graphic and try to read those tea leaves because I think it's a little bit different than when we did it with the running back. See what I mean when we come back. The early line continues. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. And, Kevin, this is what I mean when we say we give people the edge, right? We are finding out where the opportunity is, and then we'll spin it forward to some value, whether that's in fantasy, mm-hmm. whether that's in prop bets, so you can get ahead yeah. of the game. That's what you do here in these kind of sheltered in times well, I guess we are starting to open up. But then what a great time to give you the edge. And, Kevin, when we did the running back, uh, like unaccounted for production. Yeah. We also made the point of the teams at the bottom of the list, right? And mm-hmm. ironically, there were teams like the Packers, teams like the Colts, teams that then also used draft capital to address that position. And I know you thought and reacted like, oh, I don't know that that makes the most sense for team construction, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I feel the same way when it comes to the wide receivers, however, because we are in this evolution to a passing league. So let me tell you what I'm looking at. The bottom, okay, the least amount of targets that are gone is the Buffalo Bills. Okay, the Buffalo Bills only had 35 targets gone. I'm trying to think of who it even is. Could it be old man Frank Gore who took some of them? You know, but the point remains, they didn't lose a lot in the passing game. Mm -hmm. And then they traded their first round pick to get, can you digs it, right? Mm. So instead of in a, running game where only run running backs getting the ball right adding a weapon like that in the passing game kind of raises all boats right it takes attention away from the other wide receivers gives you options there's three four receivers in the route and on the route tree tell me why the bills being on the bottom of this list and adding stefan Diggs didn't kind of you know make you scratch your head in the same way that the packers not needing it but adding aj Dillon did well, the, the thing is, right, they the, the they actually did need wide receiver talent in mm. Buffalo, okay. whereas I don't think Green Bay needed running back talent, right? Mm. And so this one, they're trying to get the pizza pie bigger, right? Well, I, I, I think in holes of the pie, but make the entire pie bigger? What they've decided to do is turning it into a competitive eating contest, and ah, they have ah, better ah. eaters. Okay. Also, right, the difference in talent between Stefan Diggs and A.J. Dillon is massive. And I, I think, though, it, it then begs the question for Buffalo, right, of, okay, what does this mean for John Brown, who was, mm-hmm. I think, a wide receiver one last year? Certainly was on that fringe. Um, he had an awesome, yeah, he had an awesome season yeah, um, Beasley. for Buffalo. Beasley had some good stuff. Dawson Knox was maybe coming on. I think it, you might have to ask yourselves, is this team going to throw a little bit more yep than kind of we had expected. And what that then means for the work of Devin Singletary, what that means for even the work of Zach Moss, I wouldn't worry about it as much in terms of Josh Allen running because it's kind of this trade-off that the more he drops back to pass, it's kind of just the ball's in his hand and he still can take off at any moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think I I like your point. That's why I say is the pie getting bigger, right? The passing game production overall could get bigger with the addition of Stefan Diggs. You know, for the Bills, going into this offseason, you got to acknowledge this, right, Kev? Their priority was to probably get more dynamic on offense, right? They know they have a good defense. They believe that Josh Allen is their answer moving forward. Now they got to get him toys, right, to get a little bit more high octane and Stefan Diggs, Zach Moss certainly start to help in that vein. I was intrigued, Kevin, by a couple of other teams towards the bottom of this list where there's a similar narrative, right? The Denver Broncos, for example, only lost 58 targets from last year, yet they brought in, you know, they drafted Jerry Judy, they drafted KJ Hamler, they drafted Albert O as the tight end, right? Another 
kind of uh, example of a team giving the developing quarterback all the pieces they need to make this offense more dynamic overall. The Denver Broncos looking to make the pie, the passing pie, a little bit bigger, huh? Yeah. Are, is Emmanuel Sanders a part of that? Like he started on Denver and then got traded to San Fran, right? That mid-year? Did he actually catch balls for Denver last year? I think he did. I'm, I'm trying right. to remember. I think so. Just yeah. So he represents some of that uh, for the Denver Broncos. I think you raise a good question. Who else is that, right? Um, um, I'll have to look at it. I'll have yeah, to look no, at that. It's just an interesting question, Andy Sanders point. Because um, um, right, there's 58 targets that are gone. I'm gonna find out. Keep talking yeah. about Sanders, though. Yeah. But I think the the question then is right. Like it wasn't just Jerry Judy that comes into Denver. It's also KJ Hamler. And it now, as we kind of go through this list of weapons in Denver, Cortland Sutton, but also potentially an emerging Noah Font, right? Philip Lindsay still a guy who can catch balls out of the backfield, even Melvin Gordon can to a degree. It's one of those situations. We very recently did our Denver Denver Broncos preview. And, you know, it was one of those things like maybe it's just easiest to take Drew Locke. It could be a lot of guys eating into a lot of other guys work where Sutton can build off what was last year and the rep, uh, the reps that he was able to put together with Drew Locke, but Jerry Judy might be the talent, most talented dude in the room. KJ Hamler offering kind of a specific skill set that maybe works nicely with yeah. uh, in Drew Locke. And maybe Noah Fant is like the biggest freak in the room, right? In terms of size and athleticism that he brings to the table. And then of course the running backs are going to all uh, be a part of this uh, puzzle as well. Denver, maybe more than anyone, certainly up there, when you think about a fantasy herd, the Broncos fit the billing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mentioned it was about 58 targets that are gone. You are correct, Kevin. 44 of them are Manny Sanders. And what I can find, the next one that makes sense to me, remember Devontae Booker. I believe is no longer there. I believe he moved to Las Vegas in that herd. Yes, uh, you, yes. There you go. The merry-go-round of the AFC West continues. He only had nine, but 44 and nine is 53 of those 58. I'll have to search for the other five uh, to find, but you're right. Many of those are represented in Emmanuel Sanders. One other team I thought was interesting in there was look two teams that used a second round draft pick on a wide receiver that may or may not have needed to. One is the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? The Steelers only lost 12.9% of their targets. Mm. Yet they had their first pick be Chase Claypool, the wide receiver out of Notre Dame, to kind of add to that. And also the Cincinnati Bengals, which I feel a little bit differently about. They only lost 10% of their targets, right? Mm. Yet at the first pick of the second round, they chose to go after T. Higgins. Right yeah. when we know they had other holes to address. And judging by this, they didn't lose a ton of their wide receiver production. And guess what? Guess who else had zero targets and is going to help eat into this pie? A little man named A.J. Green. So they already had that big old pizza slice ready to cover the hole in the pie. And they still go on and draft T. Higgins, even though for the Bengals, only 64 targets are missing from last year. Yeah, that pick to me was very weird. I remember someone laughing. I'm like, did did they just make a luxury pick as the worst team in the league? And they somewhat did. Now, you know, part of it could also be right. This might be A.J. Green's last year in Cincinnati. Maybe A.J. Green doesn't finish the year as a Bengal. But I think the hope would be for him to kind of work with Burrow. And, you know, it's just where is T. Higgins going to land? Like that, because this is the thing. As much as you're like, ah, it's a second-round pick. It's the 33rd pick, right? Yeah, it's pretty like, much a first-round pick. You know what I'm saying? So that that's a high draft choice that they put towards T. Higgins. And he is not going to be the preferred option. I would be floored over, right. over Boyd, A.J. Green. You know, and then you kind of get into what John Ross is going to be able to do um, mm-hmm. for this team. And... That's where the it's a situation with Burrow. It's like what are is what is Burrow gonna be able to do? I and agree. I think, you know, this that's it's a football team though that could be passing a ton. Like Joe Burrow Garbage is time. someone that is gonna have to probably be thrown a lot, but even Mixon can be involved um in that pass catching game. The Steelers one is a bit weird in it's just the they were the worst offense in the league last year. Yeah. What a weird sentence that is. Right, right. Like they were you don't think about offense. that coming off the killer bees, right? That they've had for dec in the last last decade. Yeah, and, and it was the first year though without Antonio Brown, 
obviously that would be disingenuous to pretend that that is all that happened. They didn't have Big Ben. Uh, it was then Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges. But mm-hmm. that's another thing sometimes that I do wonder. Uh, and I know remember when we did the Steelers preview, you had brought it up. But I, I wonder if it's talked about enough, right? Like Big Ben isn't returning to the offense that Big Ben last worked with. And he right. did play that opening game in Foxborough where it they were dreadful. Right. Remember, this is when we thought the Patriots might have had the best defense of all time for the first month. Right. That included what they did against Big Ben in the opener. That's the funny thing about that patch defense. It's because as the year went on, it was like, yeah, it was the Dolphins, and it was all these bad – it was the you know the Jets without Darnold, right. and then it was the Jets with Darnold. Right. But then, like, in there was that game against Big Ben and the Steelers, and it was like, huh, what to make of that? You know what I mean? So that is where the, the Steelers are one of these – I sink or swim is it, but like high ceiling, low floor. I yeah. maybe is a good way to describe them. Yeah, I think you're right. There's a lot of variance for the Steelers, and a lot of that is tied to Big Ben's availability and exactly what is Big Ben at this stage of his career. So we're going to keep an eye on this throughout the ex- the entire week, Kevin, you know, because we're going to look at who could lead the league in receiving, what rookies stand to have some of the piece of the pie to soak up. So keep it locked for that here on the early line. But I wanted to end the hour with this, Kev. There's construction going on in New York City left and right all the time. There's a new building up right there in the north end of Central Park here in uptown Manhattan where I live. And I think it's interesting, but it's also tragic for birds. Okay, we're putting it up on the screen. You see this huge skyscraper and it's glass windows, which is all the motif. Get this, Kev. Last weekend, literally dozens of birds were flying into this building thinking it was just the sky and then boom, crashing to their own death. Um, what is your knee-jerk reaction to this, Kevin? Birds in their migratory patterns, you know, flying north or south, whatever it is for the winter or the summer. This is part of their, pro, uh, you know, flight path. And boom, tragic end for some birds, huh? Terrible. I feel awful for the birds. So let me uh, ask. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I can only imagine, though, if, like, you know, I don't know who's inside, if anyone's in those skyscrapers <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> the just the constant patch. banging of birds. Like, that would scar me. I'm moving yeah. out. Yeah, I would think, though, you don't want, like, the, the penthouse in this building, right? Because there's yeah. a risk of birds flying at you. All right, but let me ask you this, Kevin. Birds flying into – which is a worse way to go for a bird? You're flying into this big old building, right, which you just think, hey, you're flying along. You think you're just flying, and bang. Or if you remember the good old Boise State Field, right, the blue turf, right, now we see there have been examples of birds thinking that that is a damn lake and flying into that or chilling on that, thinking the blue astroturf. You see some of the pictures here now. So that's not easy, right? You're flying into what you think is the sky and then bang, you're flying into what you think is the lake because it's blue, it's astroturf, bang. Or Kevin, and we'll put this video out now. You may remember this. This is probably the, the biggest one, right? A bird flying in a spring training game, and Randy Johnson is on the mound, and then his fastball, boom, explodes the bird. You see it here, which is the worst way to go? Flying into a building, flying into AstroTurf, or getting drilled by a Randy Johnson fastball, Kev? They're all terrible. They're all terrible. I just know that the Randy Johnson video is still one of the craziest things I have ever seen. Because it's a literal, it's if one second different, he's gone. It's yeah. like, what a crazy, crazy thing that is, man. It is crazy. We'll talk more about some crazy stuff that the Chargers are involved in. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.